Hello, and welcome to Beach House 34, the show that dives deep into true crime cases, revealing the truths behind crimes that reveal shocking secrets. Stories sure to make you just a little more paranoid, and maybe even lose sleep. Here's your host, Christine Wirth. Hello and welcome to the Beach House 34 True Crime Podcast. I want to give a warm welcome to all of our new subscribers and thank you to all of you who have liked, commented, or shared episodes. It does not go unnoticed. Thank you again. When you have a health condition that damages your kidneys badly enough, that they can no longer do the job of cleaning your blood like they're supposed to, it is necessary that you have regular dialysis treatment. You speak with your doctor, you get a referral, you find out where to go and make your appointment to begin receiving treatments so that you can live your life for years to come. You trust the facilities and the nurses that whenever you go to your appointment, you will get the best care you can. At least that's what 10 patients in Lufkin, Texas thought. In 2008, 10 people who were receiving dialysis at a well-known clinic began to suffer strange symptoms. The clinic was alarmed, even though the patients visiting the dialysis center did suffer from other health problems, this trend was shocking and the clinic had no explanation as to what was occurring. Then they learned about the worst possible scenario. One of their own was deliberately harming patients. This is the story of Kimberly Clark Sains. Two hours north of Houston, Texas is Lufkin, Texas. It's just and just northwest of Lufkin is a very small town called Pollock. It is here that a young girl named Kimberly Fowler began school in junior high and went on to attend high school. While she was a junior in high school, Kimberly found out that she was pregnant by her high school boyfriend. And while she was still a junior, gave birth to a son. After her son was born, Kimberly then dropped out of high school. Now, eventually Kimberly did earn her GED and then went on to attend a small college in Lufkin named Angelina College. And it is here that she earned her LPN degree, her licensed practical nurse degree. She went in search of a job and she found one, but she wasn't there long before she was fired. She went in search of a second job, again fired then a third fired and finally a fourth again fired during this time that she was moving from job to job kimberly had yet another child and had gotten married now kimberly was also known to have a drug addiction and had previously stolen prescription medication it was later discovered that she had also lied on an application for employment Now, this last job that she was fired from, which would have been her fourth job, was when she was working at Woodland Heights Medical Center, also in Lufkin. She had been caught stealing Demerol, an opioid pain medication. Now, in 2007, Kimberly was arrested 
for public intoxication. Later, she would also be arrested for criminal trespass after a domestic incident with her husband. Now, even though she had been arrested for this, she and her husband later reconciled. Even with all of this, Kimberly was hired in August of 2007 at a clinic in 2007, the same year that she was arrested for public intox and then she had this domestic incident with her husband. She was hired at a clinic that provided kidney dialysis treatment. Now, as an LPN, her job was to either be a patient care technician or be the nurse responsible for preparing medications for a variety of patients. A patient named Clara had come into the clinic on April 1st, 2008 to receive her dialysis treatment. Now, when you enter this treatment center, you are assigned a patient care technician. And this technician takes care of you while you have your treatment, which can usually last for several hours. Now, today's technician for Clara was Worlin. Clara began to complain about shortness of breath, so Worlin gave her oxygen, and Clara seemed to do well for several hours. While Worlin was on a break, Kimberly Sains covered for him and then monitored Clara. When Worlin returned from his break, he saw that Clara wasn't even responding. Clara was immediately transferred to a hospital, but all efforts to revive her were not successful. Clara died on April 1st, 2008, the same day she had come in for her dialysis treatment. Now, Clara's chart indicated that her blood flow rate, which was to be set at 400, was changed to 300. Now, this is typically done if the patient's blood pressure is rising, but according to Worlin, nothing in Clara's chart had warranted this. The lines that had been used in Clara's dialysis treatment were sent off to the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, for analysis. And it was later learned that a portion of Clara's line tested positive for bleach. Close to the same time that Clara arrived, another patient named Thelma came into the clinic and she also had come in for dialysis treatment. Thelma's technician for the day was Kimberly Sains. Now, Thelma's treatment was doing just fine and she had been receiving her dialysis for a few hours when she too became unresponsive. Thelma had stopped breathing and had no pulse. Another technician, Corey, along with Kimberly, attempted to resuscitate Thelma, but Corey had to take over because Kimberly wasn't doing it right. Thelma too, like Clara, had been transported to the hospital, but efforts to revive her were also unsuccessful. Thelma's chart, like Clara's, indicated that her blood flow had also been lowered by 100. Now, Thelma's had been lowered from 300 to 200, but in Thelma's case, it was necessary because Thelma's blood pressure had been rising. Like Clara's lines, Thelma's lines were preserved and sent to the FDA for analysis. And like Clara, a portion of Thelma's lines tested positive for bleach. After these two unusual situations, 
The dialysis clinic sent one of their coordinators to the site, Amy Clinton. Even while Amy was there, the problems continued. A couple of weeks did go by without any incident at the clinic. And then on April 16th, 2008, Garland came into the clinic for his dialysis treatment. Now Garland's technician for the day was a woman named Sharon. The nurse who was assigned to give Garland his medication was Kimberly Sains. Garland's treatment began without incident, but several hours later, the alarm on his dialysis machine began to sound. Sharon rushed to Garland's side and found Kimberly there ready to turn off the alarm and reset the machine. When Sharon looked at Garland, he appeared unresponsive. So she told Kimberly to not reset the machine and noticed a strange clot in Garland's dialysis line. Sharon then began CPR on Garland and told Kimberly to go get help. Garland was transported to the hospital, just like Clara and Thelma before him. And while Garland was resuscitated, he never regained consciousness. Garland died on August 18th, 2008, almost four months to the day of his dialysis treatment. Just like Clara and Thelma, Garland's lines were sent to the FDA for analysis. A portion of Garland's line also tested positive for bleach. This time though, a sample of Garland's blood was taken and after it was tested, it was found that it contained chlorine. This same day, April 16th of 2008, Graciela arrived for her dialysis treatment. Now, Graciela was known to have heart issues, and during her treatment, she lost consciousness. She had been chewing gum while receiving her treatment, so it was thought that she had perhaps just choked on her gum. When EMS arrived to take Graciela to the hospital, they discovered that she didn't have any gum in her airway, but while she was at the hospital, she was diagnosed with pneumonia. Graciela did survive, but after this incident, she had problems with her memory and she required the use of oxygen. Her lines also were sent to an FDA lab for analysis. And when the lines were tested, they came back inconclusive for bleach. Her blood, however, did test positive for chlorine and showed an elevated level of LDH, which is an enzyme that is produced when bleach comes into contact with blood. Six days later, on April 22nd, 2008, Cora entered the clinic for her dialysis treatment. Her technician for the day was Martha. While Cora was receiving treatment, there was an issue with her blood clotting and her dialysis lines had to be replaced. When all was good for Cora and she was stable, Martha turned on the television for her and then took a quick break. Now, while Martha was on her break, the alarm began to sound on Cora's machine. Another technician, Candace, happened to be in the medication room when she noticed Kimberly trying to reset the machine. No one seemed too concerned as whenever blood clotting is present, it would often cause the machine to alarm. When the machine alarms, the blood flow stops going to the patient. 
Now, Candace, who was in the medication room, was the one who then went and began returning the blood back to Cora. Cora then turned and asked Candace, what are you giving me? She then turned her head and immediately went into cardiac arrest. Cora, like Clara, Thelma, and Garland, was then transported to the hospital. Cora died three months later, on July 15, 2008. Like the others, Cora's lines were saved and sent to an FDA lab for analysis. No bleach was found in Cora's lines, but the blood sample taken from Cora after the incident tested positive for chlorine. While there wasn't any bleach within the lines themselves, Cora's blood did show an elevated level of LDH, which again is an enzyme that is produced when bleach comes into contact with blood. In the meantime, with all of these very concerning issues, the paramedics who had been called to the clinic on a near constant basis were so unnerved by what was going on that they notified their superiors at the Lufkin Fire Department. A head of the fire department then wrote to state health inspectors, and he didn't tell anybody that he had done this, and asked them to investigate. On April 23rd, 2008, Marie arrived for her dialysis treatment, and her technician for the day was Tammy. On Marie's chart, it indicated that Kimberly was the one who had administered medication to Marie. Now, Marie's dialysis began just like any other time that she had been to the clinic, but during the course of her treatment, her blood pressure began to drop, and it dropped so much that she had to be taken to the hospital. Three days later, Marie woke up and had no memory at all of the events on April 23rd. Her lines were also sent to an FDA lab for analysis. A portion of Marie's lines tested positive for bleach. A syringe containing Zemplar and designated specifically for Marie was also sent in for testing. This too tested positive for bleach. In addition to this, Marie's blood also showed an elevated level of LDH. Three days later, on April 26th, Opal arrived for her dialysis treatment and her care technician was Danya. Danya got Opal all set up and began her dialysis treatment. After her treatment had started, Danya went to prepare Opal's medication. Now, while Danya was preparing the medications, Another nurse, Sharon, told Kimberly to administer Opal's medications. Now, this may sound confusing, right? Why was Danya getting together medication when nurse Sharon had already told Kimberly to give Opal her meds? Well, Opal's chart didn't indicate that Opal had been given any medication that day. So Danya was just doing what she was supposed to do. Now, when Nurse Sharon noticed that Kimberly hadn't made a notation on Opal's chart that she had already given her medication, she told Kimberly to mark it down. So Kimberly then went to Opal's chart and recorded that she gave Opal a medication called Zemplar at 9.05 a.m. But on another patient's chart, it was noted that Kimberly at 9 a.m., just five minutes earlier that same day, was in the process of removing another patient's dialysis lines, something that takes longer 
than five minutes. So there's no way that Kimberly could have given Opal her medication at 9.05, as she noted on Opal's chart. And as we all know, the time that you are given medication is incredibly important. Opal had only been there and receiving treatment for less than a half an hour when her alarm sounded. When Danya got to Opal's side, she noted, noticed that she was unresponsive. Opal too was transported to the hospital and efforts to revive her were unsuccessful. Opal died on April 26, 2008, the same day that she entered the clinic for dialysis treatment. Like the others, Opal's lines were sent to an FDA lab for analysis and a portion of her lines tested positive for bleach. But that's not all. A syringe found inside a container that was labeled Zemplar, the medication specifically designed for Opal, that nurse Sharon had Kimberly administer, tested positive for bleach. This same day, Deborah arrived for her dialysis treatment and her technician for the day was Whirlin. Kimberly had been listed on Deborah's chart as having administered medication to Deborah shortly after she arrived. Near the end of Deborah's treatment, she noticed a strange taste in her mouth and asked Kimberly, what did you give me? Deborah said she felt as if her bones were being crushed. She had a severe drop in blood pressure chest pain and trouble breathing. She even became nauseated and began to vomit. Deborah too, like others, was transported to the hospital and she was treated for several days. This was not the first time, however, that Deborah had experienced these symptoms. These same symptoms showed up for the first time in January of 2008, just four months earlier. Deborah's lines weren't saved but her blood was tested and showed signs of chlorine. She too had an elevated level of LDH. On April 28, 2008, Kimberly came to work and was given her assignment for the day to work as a patient care technician who would be responsible for four patients that day. When she heard what her assignment was going to be, tears welled up in her eyes, and it was apparent that she was not very happy with this. She much preferred to be the nurse responsible for prepping medications, as this didn't require her to have much contact with the patients. Three groups, the CDC, the Texas Department of Health and Human Services, and the Lufkin Police Department, began an investigation into the incidents. While some of these inspectors were on site, Marva and Carolyn suffered severe drops in blood pressure. And here's how all of this played out. So two patients, Lurline and Linda, were already at the facility receiving their dialysis treatments. As Lurline is receiving her treatment, she is watching as Kimberly prepares a cleaning solution that required her to pour bleach into a container. As she watched in horror, Kimberly put the container on the ground, bent down, and then took a syringe and filled it with 
the bleach. As Lurleen watched in shock, Kimberly headed towards a patient named Carolyn. She watched as Kimberly injected the syringe into Carolyn's IV dialysis line. Shocked by what she was seeing, she then continued to watch as Kimberly then walked over to another patient named Marva, who was asleep at the time, and do the same thing. Kimberly then walked over to the disposable needle container and dropped the needle inside. Lurleen grabbed the attention of another technician, Yasmin. Marva, the woman who had been sleeping when Kimberly added a bleach solution to her IV line, had arrived at the clinic on this day and was assigned to Angie. Everything was going well for hours, so Angie had taken a quick break. As is always the case, whenever a technician takes a break, another technician is, re is responsible for monitoring patients, and this time it was Tammy. When Angie got back from her break, Marva's blood pressure had begun to drop, and Marva said she didn't feel very well, as she was uncomfortable and she had pain in her ribs. She became nauseated, she became weak, and she had a really hard time speaking. Her symptoms lasted for about six minutes, and they really weren't severe enough to require hospital transportation. Now, Marva had already had also recently been in a car accident, and this often caused discomfort in her rib area. Now, even though she wasn't transported to the hospital, her lines were still sent to an FDA lab for analysis. And again, a portion of her line tested positive for bleach. Her blood, like the others, also tested positive for elevated levels of LDH. This same day, Carolyn, the first woman that Lurleen saw Kimberly approach with the bleach solution, also had arrived for her treatment and she was assigned to Tammy. Now, while Carolyn was in the middle of her treatment, she began flopping in her chair. She felt hot and she had to be given oxygen and saline. Carolyn also didn't require transportation to the hospital, but Carolyn also did not submit to a blood test and her lines were not saved as others had been previously. On this day, Kimberly was then called into the office and the person there told Kimberly, hey, we've heard of these allegations. You need to just go home for today. As soon as the clinic found out about these reports, what they did is they grabbed the two Sharps containers. Uh, these are the those red containers that you usually see that contain all of the uh, used syringes. They grabbed these two Sharps containers and that were said to contain the syringes that had the bleach in them. The administrators of the clinic then used a testing strip that they use on a regular basis to test the dialysis machines for bleach residue in the water line. And these two syringes from each of these Sharps containers tested positive for bleach. Since most of the lines from each of these strange events had been preserved, as had syringes that contained the bleach, they were all immediately turned over to the police. 
The following day, on April 29, 2008, the clinic voluntarily closed its doors and the administrators had a mandatory staff meeting. Kimberly did not attend. One of her co-workers, Whirlin, concerned that she wasn't there, called her, and Kimberly told him that she was on a field trip with her daughter and she would not be attending the meeting. Later on, though, Whirlin went to the location of the field trip to check on Kimberly. When he found her, she didn't appear to have slept, she was crying, and at first, she didn't even recognize who he was when he approached her. As they spoke, Kimberly talked about a conversation that she had had with her husband earlier and then told Whirlin, quote, I did not kill those people. In the meantime, the CDC begins to research the clinic and they discovered that Kimberly Sains had been present at every instance where someone had died. The police wanted to interview Kimberly and later that day, Kimberly agreed and she went to the police station. Now, while in the interview, she told the police that she had used a syringe to extract bleach for the daily cleaning solution because the facility was out of medicine cups. And this is something that they would normally have used to mix the bleach with water to form a cleaning solution. She further said that she wanted to be precise. So that's why she had used a syringe rather than just pouring bleach into the container. It should be noted that there was no evidence that the supply of measuring cups was low at the clinic. She further told the police that she had been taking medication for depression for six weeks. The police later said that during her interview, she was, quote, increasingly impaired, disjointed, and irrational. Kimberly further made a statement to the police of, quote, I just have a habit of pushing the bleach because I just, I don't know when it was last done. I don't want to kill my patients. Kimberly was arrested and she went to a jury trial. And during her trial, a variety of experts from the FDA and the CDC testified. Now, one of the most unnerving things that was learned was with the Sharps containers, you know, those containers that hold the used syringes. There were a variety of used syringes that contained bleach. At no time should any bleach have been detected inside these syringes meant for giving medication. Now, this leads you to believe that Kimberly may have attempted this bleach poisoning with several other patients in the clinic that just, and it just simply wasn't detected. How many other tests did she attempt before realizing just what the right amount of bleach was in order to kill the patient? Further, it was found that Kimberly had performed several internet searches on her computer related to bleach poisoning. The day after the first incident involving Thelma and Clara, a search had been performed on Yahoo uh, by Kimberly for bleach poisoning. In the first week of May in 2008, it was also discovered that two additional searches of, quote, bleach given during dialysis, unquote, and, quote, can bleach be detected in dialysis lines, unquote, 
were performed by Kimberly. Now, during the trial, it was found that she told the police during her interview that she did these searches to find an explanation for the patient's injuries. Now, on the witness stand, one of Kimberly's colleagues shared a disturbing revelation about Kimberly's feelings toward certain patients. According to the testimony, Kimberly had expressed a strong dislike for some specific patients and every one of these particular patients either had experienced life-threatening medical emergencies or passed away. Another co-worker then got up and testified and recounted an incident involving Kimberly and a patient named Opal. Now, Kimberly had taken a cigarette break following her care of Opal when Opal coded. Despite knowing that Opal was coding, Kimberly refused to go over and help her. So on March 31st, 2012, a jury convicted Kimberly Sains of murdering five patients and injuring five others. The prosecution wanted the death penalty, but instead, on April 2nd, 2012, she was sentenced to five concurrent terms of life imprisonment without the possibility of parole for the five murders, plus three consecutive 20-year sentences for aggravated assault. Thelma's daughter, in court, told Kimberly, quote, You are nothing more than a psychopathic serial killer. I hope you burn in hell, unquote. Kimberly did file an appeal, but it was denied. She is currently serving her sentence at the Mountain View unit in Gatesville, Texas. And ironically, this is the same location where Darlie Routier, one of the cases we've been covering extensively, is currently serving her sentence. Now, the bottom line is when you have a medical condition, you put a lot of trust and those who are providing you care. You trust that they know what they're doing and most of all, trust that they're not gonna try and kill you, right? It's beyond me why a well-known dialysis clinic would have even hired Kimberly, knowing her background, but maybe they didn't. And I don't think this is something that we'll ever have an answer to. It's scary to know that when you're at your most vulnerable, you may be in the presence of someone who wishes you harm. As a reminder, you can find all of the sources for this podcast in the show notes if you want to read more. And if you like this podcast and keep finding yourself coming back time and time again, just press that like button or favorite button so that you can keep up to date on all the upcoming episodes. Thank you so much for listening. You are all truly, truly, truly appreciated. Thank you.